Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Man, I tell you, I like it. I like it. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to talk today about the authority that you have. About the authority that you have. The Holy Ghost, God, as I was seeking Him this week about what I would talk about this morning uh, and what I would minister to you on this morning, I heard Him say, Restored authority. Restored authority. And I really at first didn't know, you know, exactly where he was leading in that. But as I began to study, I realized what he wanted to say to you this morning. You know, did you know you have authority? Well, some of you know that. And, uh, and uh, if, you knew, if you knew it, but maybe you've not walked in it fully, there's restored authority for you this morning. Praise God. And if you didn't know it at all, well, Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a restoration right there. Thank you, Jesus. So, Because the authority that we have in Christ, for you to walk in it, for you to benefit from it, you've got to know about it. And you've got to believe it. Amen. And you've got to understand how it works. If you're going to walk in the authority that we have in Christ, you've got to know it, you've got to believe it, and you've got to understand how it works. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. And we'll get started this morning. All through the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles in their books that they wrote, um, they refer to our authority. You know, Jesus said things like, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said things like that that imply and insinuate that we have authority. Praise God. And so in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5, and this Matthew 8, 1 through 17 is one of the most premier healing passages in the Bible. This is one that you should uh, really take note of, Matthew 8, 1 through 17. But we're going to begin in verse 5 this morning. And we find there, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus commends this man on his faith. And so we need to look back and see what this man, what, what the parts of what he had here, uh, for Jesus to commend him so in fact to call his faith great and even to say that he had not found anyone that had faith uh, greater than this in his uh, ministry and so we find in verse 8 that uh, the centurion how he begins to answer Jesus had said I will come and heal, heal your servant and the centurion literally said that won't be necessary Lord it won't be necessary for me to come to your ha for you to come to my house. He said, "You just go ahead and speak the word." And then he tells us in verse nine, he says, "For I am a man under authority." Well, I want you to notice there. He didn't say, "I am a man with authority." Did you notice he didn't say, I am a man with authority? He said, I am a man under authority. Because did you know, family, that if you're going to ever have authority, you have to be under authority. In fact, James told us that, when we, if, that we are to submit ourselves to God and then resist the devil and he will flee. See, we have to come and submit ourselves under God, under authority, before Satan will ever obey us, right? And so this man understood this principle. He said, I'm a man under authority. What he was saying there is, I have men over me. And then he goes on to say, he, he says, and I have soldiers under me. He said, I, I am under authority. I have people over me. And, I am, uh, and then I have people that are under me that, I, that are, I am in authority over. And then he begins to explain. So when I say go, they go. And when I say come, they come. And so forth. And then he said, Jesus, I, he, he, and what he was saying is, I understand you're just like that. That you're under authority. You're under uh, a higher authority. 
and that higher authority in Jesus' case would be God, right? God the Father. And he said, you're under authority also, but I understand that you have authority uh, over, that there, there are things under you that you have authority over. He said, I understand that. So he said, just go ahead and speak the word, and those things you have authority over, they'll obey you. Amen. And, of course, we know that powers and principalities and angels and uh, uh, were under Jesus' authority, and they had to obey him. Amen. So G uh, God, uh, Jesus commends this man on his faith and said, you have great faith because you have understanding about this principle of authority. Amen. And so um, just in getting started this morning, we, we need to have understanding in this realm. We need to have understanding. If we're going to walk in our authority that God's given us, we're going to have to understand that we need to be under authority, that I am a man under authority. And we need to come under the authority of the Lord God. And we will never walk in Bible authority until we come under God's authority. And to come under God's authority, we're going to have to obey His Word because that's His authority. Amen? And we're going to have to obey. We're going to have to get ourselves in divine order. We can't be renegade. In Jesus' name, we can't be renegades and come under uh, and, be, and, and walk in authority, can we? Thank you, Jesus. We have to come under divine authority. In other words, people that have God has set in authority over us. So wives can't be rebellious against their husbands and walk in authority. Right? And children can't be rebellious against their parents and walk in Bible authority. Amen. And we can't even be rebellious against our bosses, even if they're ungodly bosses. You know, we can read over there in the epistles. We don't have time this morning. But it says, you know, if we're slaves and if our, if our masters treat us badly, how are we supposed to treat them? We're still supposed to come under their authority and we're still supposed to walk right and act right and show respect, aren't we? In fact, do y'all remember in the Word of God when Hagar, um, Sarah, remember Sarah told her maid Hagar, go, uh, uh, actually she said, go sleep with my husband and have a child with him. And it was all Sarah's idea, but then after it happened, just like she planned it, she got mad about it. And then she treated Hagar very badly, was really a, a, abusive towards her, and Hagar ran away with the child, and, 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 and the Lord uh, sent an angel out there after her and told her, he, what did he say? He said, you go back and you submit to Sarah. He didn't say, no, now she's been really bad to you. Now, you just don't even have to go back. You don't have to stay under her authority. She said, no, God said, no, you go back and you get under her authority. Hallelujah. So, see, we have to come under divine authority if we're going to have authority. Hallelujah. Y'all understand what I mean. Praise God. Well, but that's not even what I'm going to preach on this morning. I mean, that's not the point. Uh, the point, that was just to lay a foundation for you to tell you that we have authority. Amen? And uh, we need to understand that authority and where it came from and why we have it so that we can walk it out. So... Um, um, turn over to Genesis chapter 1 and we're going to go back to the very beginning. And see why it is that we do have authority. In verse 26 of chapter 1, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Praise God. And so we have... Uh, the basis or the beginning of our authority. Man created in God's image. See, because God's image is one of authority. We know that he had, God had just spoken the worlds into existence with his words right before that. Right? He said light be and all that. Y'all remember that? And so he has an image of authority. And he told us, and so we also have it by command here, because he told Adam, or he told them, he said about man, he said, let them have dominion. 
So Adam had an authority. He had a right to authority by command. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, if you'll read on down, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That breath of life there is the very breath of God. A lot of times we've looked at that just like, okay, God took this dirt, this dirt and he made man and then he put air in him. He just filled his lungs with air. But it was more than that. He wasn't just filling Adam's lungs with air. He breathed into him the very life of God. He, he breathed into Adam the very nature of God. And so Adam had the life of God in him. Adam had the life of God in him. Well, in the new birth... In the new birth, we're new creations. We're new creations. And what gets breathed into us? But the life of God. And we sing a song that says, I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. In fact, Acts says, in Him we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. So you know what we are? We are actually, it's better. Did you know there's, one th there, that there, there, there's something better than the Garden of Eden? I used to think that, man, that's perfect. Wouldn't that have been wonderful if, G, if, if Adam hadn't fallen and, and we could still live in the Garden of Eden? Family, there's something better than the Garden of Eden, and that's redemption. Redemption's better than the Garden of Eden. Amen? We just hadn't known it. We just hadn't understood it. We just hadn't walked in it. Amen. But that's over. We're going to walk in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So in the new birth, we've got that life of God in us, just like Adam when God breathed into him the breath of life. You've got the life of God in you. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. That doesn't have anything to do with it. See, you're going to have to live not according to how you feel, but according to the renewed mind. You're going to have to live not according to how you feel, but according to what you know because of your renewed mind. See, you, your feelings are, 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 are uh, based on uh, your five senses, and your five senses are in contact with this world. And in fact, there are currents, there are evil currents that flow through this world and pass us and, and brush up against us all the time. And so sometimes we can have feelings that are totally contrary to the Word of God. Some of you may have got up this morning and had one of those feelings. I can tell. <laughs> like Colin said, some of y'all's faces are still on regular time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you haven't jumped forward one hour in all parts of your body yet. But you'll get there. We'll, we'll all get there. And you know, it'll be a lot better. We have to go through this spring forward thing. But guess what we get when we get used to it? We get another hour of daylight every night. And I just love that part, don't you? Amen. And so we got to go through that. But you're in, your five senses are in contact with this world. And so you may feel all sorts of things that feel contrary to the life of God in you. Amen. But we can't go by what we feel. We go by the renewed mind. We go by what we know. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we can't go by other people's experiences. We can't go. We cannot look and, and, and at some, it is sin for us to believe God for healing and then look over and say, yeah, but I have a friend that had this same problem and she didn't get healed. That's sin for us to do that. I tell you what, if you want to know how much money you have, you don't come get my checkbook and look in it. Do you? Wouldn't that be the stupidest thing for Billy to say, I wonder how much money we have. Miss Debbie, let me see your checkbook. No, that would, be, that would be stupid. But you know, Christians do that all the time when it comes to healing and health. They decide they, they need healing in their body, and, but then they look over at somebody that died of something and say, well, I must not can be healed. Because surely if God didn't heal her, he wouldn't heal me, which it wasn't anything to do with God. He would have healed her too. 
But see, we look at other people's bodies and we can't do that. We've got to go by what we know. We've got to walk in what we know. We've got to walk by the renewed mind. Not by what we feel. Hallelujah. Just even this morning, I've had some, even since we've been in this room, I've had some very contrary feelings. But that doesn't mean anything. Because what do we know? Well, what do we know? Well, we know 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes we were healed. We know that Romans, I mean, excuse me, Revelation chapter 12 says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen? We know that we're more than conquerors. We know that God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we know, and that's what we've got to start living and acting like. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know feelings pass? How many of you know feelings don't last forever? Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know your feelings are fickle? Did anybody ever get up one day, and man, I tell you, you felt like faith, you felt like a faith giant. I mean, you were excited. I've had a day like that this week. Praise God, I'm excited, I'm healed, I'm prosperous, I've got the victory. And how many of you know that the very next day, you can look down and not feel that way at all? Well, see, I can't go by that because the fact is that I wasn't any more healed the day I felt excited than I was the day that my feelings were right down there on the floor. How many, did you know you're not any more prosperous on the day you feel prosperous than you are on the day that you don't feel prosperous? You can feel so prosperous. Man, it was payday. I, I feel so prosperous. And you can go to the mailbox and get one bill that can, that can make you feel totally different than that. Amen. Or you can go out to your car and your car can do one little make one little sound and that total feeling of prosperity can just absolutely leave you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you Jesus. So, man, I tell you feelings are just a bad way to live. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, so we have Adam here with the very life of God in him, and you've got the life of God in you. Prior to the creation of Adam, Satan was just roaming around the earth. You know, and I don't have time to go into all of this today. I can't preach the whole Bible to y'all today from Genesis to Revelation. So I'm just going to have to assume that you understand that, that Satan had been a... a he was one of the three archangels and he had been in a high place with God and he had sinned and God threw him out of heaven. Him and a third of the angels who had uh, sided with him and threw them to the earth. And they're just roaming around, they're just roaming around down here. And then, but can you, and then God comes on the scene and he begins to create man. Can you imagine how horrified Satan was when as he watched God create something in his own image? See, he knew what the image of God looked like because he had seen God. And he's watching God create this thing that looks like God. And then he watches as God breathes into him the very breath of life. And then he hears God say, have dominion. Notice he said, he told him to have dominion and he gave him authority in, uh, let's see, if you look, notice there in Genesis 1.26, he gave him authority over the fish of the sea. He said, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. He said, he give, have dominion over livestock, over all the earth, right there, all the earth. That all would encompass what? Remember what all means? All. All means all. This is really, <laughs> yeah, this is really a revelation here. All means all. And he gave Adam dominion over all the earth, all the creatures along the ground there. The only thing that God did not give Adam dominion over, to rule over, was his, was fellow, his fellow man. But everything else in the earth, Adam had dominion over, which would include Satan and every demon. Can you imagine how terrified Satan was at this point? You all know what I'm talking about. Now, this was a new thing because until this point, God had had absolute dominion and authority in the whole universe. 
And he still has absolute dominion and authority in the whole universe except in one place, and that's in planet Earth because right then in creation, he gave the dominion and authority that he had in earth. He gave it to Adam. Amen. Amen. And right now, to this very day, God has absolute dominion and authority. If you go to Mars, God has absolute dominion and authority. Amen. The far, how, I don't care how far you can go into space. And they say that there are many galaxies. I mean, I'm just, it's beyond me. It's too technical for me. But, you know, that just the galaxy we live in, that's just the beginning. And God has absolute dominion and authority over it all. But in planet Earth, God had given the dominion and authority to Adam. And we know, and you know the story, how Satan tempted Adam and Eve. And I want you to notice, you know, sometimes, see, we blame poor old Eve. And since I'm a woman, I'm going to take up for her today. Amen. Uh, well, I mean, she was wrong, so I don't guess I can take up for her. So I can do what all women like to do is blame somebody else too. But I want you to notice there in Genesis 3, 6, I want you to notice the words with her. I have with her uh, circled in my Bible. You may not, you may not have that, but it, it says that... Uh, it, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. He, you know, sometimes we get the feeling that, that Eve was somewhere in the garden and Adam was somewhere else and he came back and all of a sudden Eve had done all these bad things. But that's not true. He was standing right there with her. And they both sinned. Amen. And you know what Satan had done? He disguised himself. He had no right to be in the garden. And he And if he had just walked into the garden, just marched in, Satan, uh, Adam would have thrown him out. So he disguised himself as a serpent. And do you know what he still does that today? He still disguises himself and he, in order to, to do evil. He disguises himself and he enters bodies in order to do evil. And then we Christians, even us, even I've heard myself say this sometimes, and I know better, we'll, I mean, we'll hear about some mass murder somewhere and we'll go, I just don't know how they could have done that. Hello. I mean, you know, and then I have to think, well, you know, they didn't do it. I mean, they did, but they what they did was they let Satan use them. You know what? And so, so Satan tries to enter bo uh, bodies, demon spirits, and he commits all sorts of atrocities disguised. That's how it is. It, even in Ephesians 6 verse 12, we won't turn there, but remember, remember Paul told us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and so forth. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. When we have a problem, even when somebody seems to be giving us a problem, they're just being used they either are being influenced by the devil. You know, demon spirits influence. They're being influenced by the devil. Or they are being, maybe it can even progress to the point, it doesn't start out this way, but it can progress to the point where they're possessed by the devil. When somebody gets murdered, those people that murdered them, they're either influenced by the devil or they're devil-possessed. Right? And it don't start out. See, it's not like Rosemary's Baby. How many of you are old enough to remember Rosemary's Baby? Dear God, that's before we were sanctified and knew any better than watch junk like that. <laughs> Babies just aren't born demon-possessed devil possessed you know those are that's not how it's happening the way people get devil possessed I'll tell you right now how they get devil possessed they get devil possessed by yielding to the devil and you don't just get it one time yielding to him when people yield to the devil over and over again eventually sometimes eventually you can get possessed by the devil when you yield to the devil over and over again, you can get possessed by a devil, but you don't get that. You have to yield to him. 
And bless God, we're not yielding to him. Amen. The word tells us not to give him any place. Not to yield to that. And I tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll just speak clearly here, plainly. Parents, don't let your kids yield to the devil. Don't let your kids rebel. Don't let them get away with that stuff. Because if they yield often enough, they'll give place to the devil. And what happens is, is it's a progression from being uh, um, influenced to being oppressed by the devil and until finally you can become possessed by a devil and that's why God told you not to spare the rod but for you to use the paddle on your children when they disobey because when they disobey guess what they're yielding to they're yielding to the devil and you got to train them don't yield to that spirit don't yield to that amen praise God Hallelujah. Like I said, that don't happen in one time. It happens in, in repeatedly, over and over yielding. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, so Satan here, he disguised himself and he questioned God. Well, he still does that today. He still questions God to us. And he quoted God's word in the, in the uh, Garden of Eden. You remember he quoted the word of God to, to, to Adam and Eve? And, and he said, uh, um, and he twists, he always twists the word of God. One way he twists it is he always twists it to condemn us. You can always tell when the devil's speaking to you because he'll condemn you. That's one way. Praise God. And another thing he did was he lied. He, he just flat out old lied to, to Eve. He said, you will not surely die. You eat of that tree, you will not surely die. That was a lie. She surely did die. And so he lied. And you know, it's funny. It's not funny, but it is kind of. You know one thing he, else he said to Eve? He said, you will be like God. Now that is such a lie, but it's kind of one of those twisted lies because the lie was she was already like God. She was already like God. We already taught, we already found out. God breathed into her the breath of life, the very nature of God created in God's image. She was already just like God. And he said, well, if you'll do this, you'll be like God. Well, that was kind of a backhanded, twisted sort of lie. But you know, he, I think right there is where Satan introduced religion. Because isn't that what religion says in a sort of a backhanded way? They, what religion says is one day you'll be free when you're free right now. One day you'll have the victory. When you get over on the other side, Oh, God's going to wipe away every tear. Well, he is. But the fact is that Isaiah 53 says that he bore my grief right now. Hallelujah. He wants to wipe away your tear right now. Hallelujah. What a lie. That one day you're going to be free. One day you're going to have the victory. One day you're going to be happy. That's such a lie because God provided it all right now. We already are. In fact, we're already like God because we've been restored, we've been redeemed, we're blood-bought. Hallelujah. We got the life of God in us. Hallelujah. We have restored authority. Praise God. Well, Adam, at this point, you know, when they made the wrong choice, they were stripped of the life of God that was in them. But you know what? They were still in the image of God. But they were just without the life of God. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. I never had noticed this before. But this is after the flood. And he's, God's speaking to Noah here. And it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea until you are, your hand are they delivered. 
And then in verse 6 he said, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So Adam still in the image of God, or excuse me, now it's Noah, but it's, you know what I mean, mankind. Mankind is still in the image of God, but they are without the life of God. They do not have the life of God in them. And now they still can rule and reign over the animals, but now it's by the spread of their sweat of their brow, excuse me, by the sweat of their brow, remember, and, and in pain that they rule and they reign. Now, and you know what? Now Satan has a new title. He has stolen title. Now Satan's called the God of this world, but he stole that title from Adam because Adam was the God of this world. He has ruler of the world, and he's, that, that's a stolen title. Prince of this world, but it's stolen. Y'all know what I mean. And for 4,000 years, Satan lived, and he was in dominion for 4,000 years. But then, after 4,000 years, and in Galatians chapter 4, I like this scripture. I got to read this one to you. You might not ever noticed it. Galatians chapter 4. And I'm going to read in verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And after 4,000 years, the fullness of time had come. And I'm telling you what, it was an exciting day, the day that Jesus was born. I'm telling you, the angels got so excited. They were so excited. They were rejoicing in heaven. They were so excited that all of a sudden out in the middle of a field where shepherds were watching their flocks by night the, sh the angels were so excited they burst into plain in full view rejoicing and praising God because I'm telling you what it was over for Satan it was over praise the Lord thank you Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 says I'll read it to you. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Jesus is the last Adam, and he was made a quickening spirit. And I'm telling you what, he has quickened us, and we've got the life of God in us, and we've got authority. we just got to know it. We've just got to believe it, and we've got to understand it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And when you believe it and when you know it and you understand it, family, your troubles are over. Thank you, Jesus. But we've got to put Satan under our feet. He doesn't voluntarily go there. He's still acting like he's the God of this world. The fact is, Jesus descended into hell and stripped him of all his authority and took the keys of the kingdom away from him. And the Bible says that he spoiled principalities and powers, that Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. But he acts like he is. He's just a pretender. He's pretending that nothing happened. And if we'll let him pretend that nothing happened, and that he still has dominion, well, you know what he'll do? He'll walk all over you. Amen. And that's what he does with most Christians, is he just walks all over them. So we've got to put him under our feet. Matthew chapter 4 teaches us how Jesus dealt with the enemy and put him in his place by the word of God. Remember, this was before Jesus stripped him of his authority and took the keys of the kingdom away from him with the word of God by it is written. He took dominion and authority in that situation. Hallelujah. Well, I said all of that <laughs> to say this. Now, I want you to listen very carefully because this is where well, a lot of times we miss it. And I don't want you to misunderstand. And so you listen carefully. You cannot pray your way to victory. You cannot pray your way out of sickness. And you cannot pray pain away. It's not prayer. 
And I'm not discounting prayer. I, I, we're starting a prayer school. I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. And in our prayer school, we're going to study the different kinds of prayer. And we're going we're gonna to learn. But I will tell you, family, in James, when, he, when, the, when, when James wrote to us and he said, Submit yourselves to God, he didn't say and pray that the devil will go away. Did he? He didn't say submit yourself to God and pray God will do something about the devil. He didn't say submit yourself to God and pray that God will, will get rid of, uh, that God will take command of your body and he'll get rid of the stuff. He didn't tell us to do that. He said to submit yourself to God and resist the devil. He told us in other places, we don't have time to go to all these scriptures. You've got to look them up. But he told us that whatever we bind on earth would be bound in heaven. And whatever we loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. That In one version it says, whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Amen? See, God gave the authority to Adam. God gave the authority to man. Adam lost it and Jesus bought it back. And now we have authority. But God will never do it for us. And so we can pray till the cows come home. We can pray till Jesus comes back. For God to do something about Satan. And he'll never do it. And so let's make that into a practical application. A lot of times what we do, we miss it when we do this. But a lot of times, and I've done this myself so I'm preaching from experience here. But... A lot of times, we'll, maybe we're laying in the bed in the middle of the night and all of a sudden a pain hits our big toe. Well, you know, I, I, I've dealt with it two ways. Both of them are wrong. <laughs> One way I dealt with it is I've ignored it before, thinking if I just ignore this, it'll go away. Maybe this will go away if I just ignore this. Or maybe it's a headache and I just think, man, if I don't confess it and if I just ignore this, maybe this thing will go away. Well, that's the wrong application. How many of you know? Amen. Another way I've dealt with it is when pains maybe hit my big toe before or something, I might wake up in the night and I might lay there and here's what I would do. And I might lay there. I tell you one time pain hit my body and my husband and I, we prayed in tongues for an hour and a half. But I found out you can't pray pain away. You can't pray pain away. You can't pray sickness out of your body. Family, you got to take charge. You got to, and you, I tell you, we've been entirely too Mickey Mouse in the body of Christ. We've been entirely, I mean, you got to get nasty with the devil. He doesn't to respond to, I said go. The Bible says if I resist the devil, he'll flee. No, you got to get your commanding voice on. I know we, you know, we had Christian school. Now, having a commanding voice has never been a problem for me. I was just born with it. Some of us are just born being bossy, right, Tim? Is that? <laughs> I'm just teasing him. But really, we are. We can't help it. It just comes natural. But even us that are are born being bossy, sometimes we'll back off where the devil's concerned. You know what I mean? But anyway, we had this Christian school, and I had this one teacher, Miss Rodriguez. I mean, I loved her. I mean, you know, just, just, oh, I tell you what, just, she was good. I mean, she was good to me. I mean, I just love her to this day. But Miss Rodriguez just talked too nice to the kids. And how many of you know when you're a teacher, if you're just too nice, they'll just walk all over you. And, of course, we had to, you know, we had breaks. We, I can't go into how Christian school works, but we would have, you would work for an hour and then 15 minutes breaks. And so the kids will all go out on break. Well, and when it was her turn to go to break, y'all be quiet. Now, how many of you know nobody's listening? Did you? And so I did. I brought her into my office, and I said, okay, i got to teach you how to have a take-charge voice. You know what? And so really, I gave her take charge. I, I don't want to say yell at the kid lessons, but, but I mean, you're not yelling at the kids, but you're using your authoritative voice so that you, they know you mean business voice. It's the 
do it or else voice. Y'all know what I mean. Hallelujah. Well, you see, Satan, you got to use that voice on him. You got to start commanding some things. Even in even where Satan's not concerned, where your body is concerned, you're in charge. Yeah, there's things that we that God has to do in our bodies that only he can do. But there's also a take charge that we can do. And, and you know, it'll change your whole perspective. I know uh, Charles Capps has this little book here. And when you realize you've got to take charge, that you're in authority, that God expects you to... I'll find it in just a second. Um, that God expects you to do something about it. It changes the way you read stuff like this. This is uh, God's creative power for healing. Charles Capps is a little confession book. And these are wonderful. But um, you, 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 you read this with a whole different perspective. And you say things like, I present my body to God, for it is the temple of the living God. God dwells in me, and his life permeates my spirit, soul, and body. I am filled with the fullness of God daily. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I make a demand on my body to release the right chemicals. My body is in perfect chemical balance. My pancreas secretes the proper amount of insulin for life and health. See how I'm not waiting on God to do something. I'm telling my body what to do. Amen. See, I'm taking authority. Because I've been given authority. I've been given, I've been given dominion. And when I walk down the street... And the little and a dog starts parking me and chasing me. I don't say, Jesus, please make that dog go home. You know I don't like dogs. No. I say in Jesus' name, I've been given dominion. I've been given authority over you. Isn't that how y'all act? Praise God. Hallelujah. And so when the pain comes to your toe in the middle of the night, you don't, you don't wait to hope it goes away. No, in Jesus' name. You won't come on me. Get off now in the name of Jesus. I resist you, pain. And you start speaking to it. Amen. Amen. You know, it's real easy for us to let our authority... You know, I know I'm not preaching anything probably that most of you hadn't heard before. But sometimes we kind of let it slip because we forget how much authority we have. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, it changes our perspective. So we've got to do it. See, prayer family is not the strategy. Listen to me. Prayer is how you get the strategy. So, man, you're under attack. It's a good thing to pray in the Spirit. Don't get me wrong. But praying in the Spirit doesn't deal with the problem. Praying in the Spirit, Paul told us, when we know not how, we ought to, pr how to pray as we ought. Well, then we pray in the Spirit. And when we pray in the Spirit, what we get is understanding about what to do. Hello. That's when the answer rises up in us. Or the unction rises up in us. And all of a sudden, by praying in the Spirit, we know what we're supposed to do. We don't just pray in the Spirit indefinitely and never do anything. But we pray in the Spirit and then we know what to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. See, a lot of pain that comes your way, a lot of symptoms that come your way, are just Satan knocking on your door to see if you'll take it. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's all it is. And he's just, he goes around trying doors to see if they'll open, see if you'll take it. You know, we need to sometimes go back to children's church. 
in children's church, they do this thing, this object lesson thing, where, and we have a devil outfit, you know, and somebody dresses up in it and has a big package. And, and while the teacher's teaching the lesson, they come to the door, the devil comes to the door and knocks on the door, and he's got a package for the kids in children's church. And, of course, all the kids know. The teacher says, this is the devil, and the devil has a package for you kids. And all the kids go, no, no, we don't want it, no. But see, <laughs> we need to, sometimes we need to just go to children's church and be like that. No, we don't want it. We won't take it. I won't take it. Yeah, well, what if the symptoms keep on? Just keep on. I won't take it. I won't take it. What if the doctor says, well, you have this? You can come out of the doctor's office saying, no, I won't take it. Wrong house, Satan. We still don't have to receive it. Amen? Because we got authority. We've got authority. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you what. The body of Christ is understanding their authority. And I'm telling you, a mighty army is raising up all over this nation, not just in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but an army's raising up in these last days. Hallelujah. A glorious church is rising up. A church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Hallelujah. And besides all that, Satan's time is up. You know, Brother Copeland teaches that the earth lease is actually up. Like in September of 97 or something, wasn't it? When the, or something like that. That the earth lease actually, where Satan had 6,000 years, that it's up. And we're just in that little interim time before the rapture. And hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you what, we're rising up. We're rising up. Hallelujah. I'm taking my authority. Are you? I'm speaking to my body. I'm telling my body what it'll do and what it can do. And I'll tell you something else. Let me just while I'm on it. First, Second Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. One of the main ways the enemy works is fear. You can, I, I, I have actually in the last month experienced this where I just woke up in the middle of the night and fear was just on me. Family, that is a spirit. It is a demon spirit. Well, there's some things we can do about that before we go to bed at night. Amen. We can plead the blood of Jesus and compass ourselves about by the blood of Jesus and things like that. But I want to tell you something. The moment fear comes against you, the moment you sense fear, the moment you have a feeling of fear, I resist you in Jesus' name, you spirit of fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I don't fear anything. That's what you say. Now, you may have chill bumps running up and down you all over. I, I, I heard Keith Moore say, or I think it was in Brother Copeland's magazine, if, if chill bumps are double parked on your arms and your knees are shaking, don't yield to it. Don't yield to it. Don't yield to it. And thoughts of fear will come. Thoughts of disease will come. Thoughts that bring fear will come. That's a spirit. They're speaking those things to you. Resist it. And don't receive that spirit of fear. You are victorious. And Satan knows it. And God knows it. But just like with Eve. Just like in the Garden of Eden. Well, it's... It's time, isn't it? <laughs> just like with Eve, just like with Gar in the Garden of Eden, he's just lying about it. He's just disguising himself sometimes. He's just saying, well, you know. You know, if he can't get you to not believe in healing, he'll just get you to postpone it. If he can't get you not to go to heaven, he'll just try to get you there quick. Hello. Right? He'll tell you how much better it is over there. And it is better. But the fact is, I have dominion in here. The fact is, I can have heaven on earth right here. The fact is, God's will is for his kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that? How many of you are going to take your authority?
Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Go home and stomp the devil. Thank you, Jesus. Resist him with the word of God. Pray in the spirit. Ask God for wisdom. Yeah, we are to pray and we're to ask God for wisdom. But when that wisdom comes, bless God, we need to rise up and act on it. Hallelujah. See, Jesus took command. Let me wind you up with this. But in Jesus' life, when Jesus walked the earth, he took command over demons. Remember how he wouldn't allow them to talk? I could give you other examples of how he took demand over demons. He took command over illness. Remember in Matthew 8, the leper was cleansed right where we just read, right after that. He took command over the human body. Remember the shriveled hand. Now these are areas that you have dominion over. You have dominion over demons also. You have dominion over illness. You have dominion over the human body. That means your human body. Jesus restored a shriveled hand. That proves that he had dominion over the human body and that we, if he had dominion, he restored us and we have dominion over the human body. Hallelujah. He had dominion over creation. Remember when he cursed the fig tree and it had to obey him? He had dominion over the elements. Remember when he calmed the storm? He, had, he rebuked fever. Do y'all remember when he did that? He also he raised the dead. Remember? See, those are the areas we've been given dominion in. So we take our authority. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Speaking of the saints. And I want you to notice that Revelation 12, 11, and you may have to look this up just to prove it, but it doesn't say they will overcome. It doesn't say, now the saints, they're going to overcome. No, it says they overcame. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. See, that's your position in Christ. By the blood, we've been made righteous. We've been cleansed. We have no authority apart if we're not cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And then by the word of our testimony, by the word of God. See, we take the word of God. Hallelujah. And take our dominion. Let's stand together this morning.